Welcome to the Comic Web Superman Old Time Radio Podcast, where each week we bring you an exciting radio episode from the early years of the Man of Steel. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs and comic books. Comic Web also offers two other podcasts. One is a variety of old time radio programs, and the other is a video podcast of old movie serial cliffhangers. You can find them on our website, comicweb.com, or just type Comic Web into iTunes and you should find them. Now just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Superman. Thank you. The Super Delicious Cereal presents The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today in Professor Twiddle's home, the Man of Steel waits anxiously as a radar device sends its powerful beam to the rescue of Jimmy Olsen, marooned high above the earth in a tiny rocket. We'll know the outcome in a moment. But right now, let's join Dan McCullough and his red-headed young pal, Rusty, who's telling what happened to him today. You see, Dan, a bunch of us kids were in the schoolyard swapping duplicate comic buttons. You know, we're all collecting them from packages of Kellogg's pets. Sure. Well, one of the guys traded a KO button for a Superman. Why, that's a fair trade, I'd say. Yeah, but what'll you hear? I was kind of disappointed because I had an extra Superman I wanted to swap. Well, you'll get another chance. Oh, I did. Listen. Then this fellow comes up to me and he says, you want to swap a Superman for a Smokey Stover button? Hey, swell. You know, you said the other day that you needed Smokey Stover. So I said, sure, and we traded. Well, that's fun. But, but say, what on earth did he want two Superman buttons for? Well, that's the point. I couldn't figure it out either, so I asked him. And? And he said he's collecting all Superman buttons. That's the only kind he collects. And he trades all the others. And he's already got 25 of them pinned on his jacket. <laughs> well, now, that's a new angle to collecting pet comic buttons, isn't it, gang? Well, it just goes to show you how many different kinds of fun there are in this swell sport. And these pet comic buttons are so doggone smart-looking that, well, you'll be mighty proud when you have all 18 of them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. But you know, the best part is, these pet comic buttons are so easy to get, you don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop. Fact is, you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to make sure Mom supplies you with plenty of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And there's your exclusive prize right inside the package. Remember, that's P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Professor Timothy T. Twiddle, a somewhat eccentric scientist, attempted a daring trip to the moon in his radar rocket, accompanied by Jimmy Olsen and Poco, the strange little man from the planet Utopia who speaks in rhyme. But when the rocket reached an altitude of 10,000 miles above the Earth, the radar beam on which it was being projected suddenly stopped, leaving the rocket suspended in space. Attaching messages to a pair of pigeons, Jimmy managed to get word of his predicament to Clark Kent, who, as Superman, hurried to Professor Twiddle's house in Metropolis, where the radar machine was located. There he found that two men had bound and gagged Gloomy Gus, Professor Twiddle's assistant, and had shut off the radar beam. Overpowering the men, Superman instructed Gus to send out the radar beam again in an effort to contact the rocket. And as we continue now, the Man of Steel stands at the radar control board, watching an indicator record the progress of the beam. Listen. Good work, Gus. You got the beam up 8,000 miles. 
Jim's message said they were stuck at 10,000. That was yesterday. Well, they must still be in the same position. There's nothing to move them in space. Maybe yes, maybe no. Oh, you're pessimistic. Isn't there any bright side? Sure. That's the trouble. There is a bright side. The sun, too bright. Probably burned the rocket to a crisp. I doubt it. I don't. Hold it. The beam's almost at the 10,000-mile mark. You said a bell would ring if it meets the rocket, didn't you? If it does. But take my word for it, the rocket's gone by now. Is that the bell? Uh, looks like I was wrong. Oh, thank heaven you were. Quick, now reverse that beam and bring the rocket back. It can't be done. Why not? The rocket's monitored for the moon. It has to hit the moon to come back. Hit it? Yes. It's supposed to slow up when it reaches the moon. When it makes a contact, the mechanism in the nose reverses the monitor, and the rocket rides the beam back to Earth. All the harebrained crackpot stunts I ever heard of. That's what I told the professor, but he wouldn't listen to me. Let's see now. The moon's a quarter of a million miles from the Earth, isn't it? 240,000 right now. Okay, and the rocket travels at the rate of 5,000 miles a minute. It's at the 10,000 mark now, so that means it'll take... Uh, approximately 46 minutes to reach the moon. I'll get you a pencil. Never mind. You stay at the control board. I can do this in my head. 46 minutes to reach the moon, another 48 minutes to return to Earth. That's 94 minutes all told. Uh, a little more than an hour and a half. Unless something else happens. Well, we'll hope nothing does. Oh, wait a minute. What about oxygen? Oxygen? Yes, there's none in space. So far as we know, none on the moon either. I hope Professor Twiddle took plenty with him. Oh, that does it. What? Now, don't tell me he forgot to equip the rocket with oxygen tanks. He didn't forget, but he only took a 24-hour supply. Uh -oh. You see, I told you they were done for. If only they'd listened to me, I told the professor... Hold it, Gus, hold it. What time did they leave yesterday? Yesterday afternoon. What time yesterday afternoon? I told you, ten minutes after three, they haven't got a chance. Take it easy. Five minutes after one now. That means they have a two-hour oxygen supply left. And if all goes well, they'll be back here in an hour and a half. If all goes well, but it won't. I'm sure it won't. Well, you were sure the rocket had burned up in space, remember? Just blind luck that it didn't. They can't be that lucky again. Something else will happen, you'll see. Let's hope you're wrong again. What does that indicator say? 30,000 miles. Still a long way from the moon. Too long. They'll never make it. They must make it. Keep that radar beam going, Gus. It all depends on you. Tensely, Superman watches the indicator on the radar screen touch 40,000 miles, through 50, and in his mind's eye, he visualizes the rocket like a tiny silver bullet hurtling through limitless space. Beads of perspiration stand out on his forehead as the indicator climbs slowly to 80,000, 100,000, 150,000, and finally 200,000. Meanwhile, inside the rocket, Professor Twiddle is beside himself with glee. <laughs> they said I couldn't do it, eh? Look at it through the plexiglass nose, young man. You too, Poco. Tell me what you see. Well, gosh, what is that out there? Oh, me, oh, my. It fills the sky. Don't be alarmed, don't be alarmed. That's our destination. Oh, you mean the moon? Yes, indeed. We're very close to it now. Looks quite different from up here, doesn't it? Oh, it, it's so big. The diameter of the moon is about one-fourth that of Earth. Golly, I didn't know it was that big. One of those tall things sticking up on it. Mountains? You mean there are mountains on the moon? Actually, that's all the moon is. A mass of mountains and craters, covered with meteoric dust. Of course, I'm speaking about this side of the moon. Nobody has any idea what the other side is like. What other side? You have a short memory. So I'll explain again. The moon revolves on its axis in exactly the time it takes for it to circle the Earth. Therefore, it always presents the same side to the earthly observer. Is that clear? Why, I guess so. Now, to me, it's just as clear as mud, but it's mathematics. I'm a dud. <laughs> you don't happen to know mathematics to realize everything has two sides, Foco. One side of the moon we know about. The other, we don't. 
but we're going to find out. Imagine, in just a few moments, we'll touch the moon. Touch it? You mean we're going to land there? Of course not. The plexiglass nose of the rocket will merely contact the moon lightly. Contacted lightly? At 5,000 miles a minute? Oh, dear. Our end is near. Nonsense, nonsense. The rocket is monitored to throw almost to a stop as we reach the moon. Oh, At wow. the moment of contact, that small mechanism you see in the plexiglass nose reverses the rocket, and we immediately start back to Earth on the radar beam. Well, the sooner the better. Think of it. Think of it. We're the first human beings to reach the moon. Our names will go down in history. Oh, we'll be famous, like Andy and Amos. I don't want to be famous. I just want to get back to Metropolis. You'll be back within an hour. I hope. I know. Well, I, I don't like to be a wet blanket, but it's only a miracle we're still alive. <laughs> What's that? Oh, bang, bang. A bell rang. Don't be alarmed, don't be alarmed. That was a signal that we've come within the orbit of the moon. Look below now. In a moment, we'll be passing over it. Golly. Imagine looking down at the moon. Oh, well, let's make a story for the Daily Planet. <clears throat> Remember, the name is Twiddle, Professor Timothy T. Twiddle. My trip to the moon by James Olson. Oh, that ought to get me a raise from Mr. White. Look, look, we are passing to the other side of the moon. We are. Yes. In a moment, we'll know what's there. Oh, gosh, do you suppose it's any different from this side, Professor? Who knows? Who knows? There may be even atmosphere there, and even fauna and flora. Uh, who is fauna and who is flora? I know two girls named Della and Dora. Well, they're not girls, Poco. Fauna is animal life, and flora is vegetation. Do you think maybe there might be people on the other side of the moon, Professor? I have no idea, young man. No idea, but we'll find out directly. What's that? The rocket is turning. Look sharply now. We are coming to the other side of the moon. Tense and eager, Jimmy Olsen, Professor Twiddle, and Poco peer through the plexiglass nose of the radar rocket. About to see what no other human eyes have ever seen. What is on the other side of the moon? We'll be back in a moment for the startling climax of today's episode. But first, here again is your announcer. You know, gang, one of the best things about collecting comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet is that everybody can share in the fun. All your pals are doing it, too, so you have lots of fellows and girls to trade duplicates with. You see, you don't have to spend any of your allowance to get Pep comic buttons. You don't even have to send in a box stop. And yet, you collect real, true-to-life pictures of your favorite comic strip characters, done up in full comic strip colors, too. So they're bright-colored and gleaming, really nifty. What's more, there are 18 different buttons in the series, so your fun keeps on and on. Believe me, it'll be a real thrill someday soon when you can sport a full collection of 18 buttons on your jacket or your dress or cap. Now, there's only one way you can get these exclusive prizes, you know. You can't buy them anywhere, but you'll find one in every package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Ask Mom to get you some P-E-P Pep, made by Kellogg's, the greatest name in cereals. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. In a radar rocket traveling at the incredible speed of 5,000 miles a minute, Jimmy Olsen, Professor Timothy Twiddle, and Poco have just passed over the barren, craggy side of the moon which is visible from the Earth. Now they have crossed a towering range of mountains covered with fine meteoric dust and are above the unknown other side of the moon. Look! The hidden side of the moon is below us. It looks different from the other side, Professor. The mountains are much lower and... Wait, there's grass. No, no, it isn't grass, but bless my beard, bless my beard, it is a form of vegetation. That means there must be moisture on this side of the moon. Perhaps even atmosphere. But you mean there's air for people to breathe? I wouldn't be too sure about that. I, uh, I don't see any form of animal life. No, I don't either. 
Looks deserted. Listen, listen. What's happening? Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Don't get excited. Everything's all right. But we're falling. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're just circling down to make contact. The moment we touch, we'll swing around and return to Earth. You hope. Professor Twiddle knows. Yeah, but James Olsen doesn't like this. And neither does Poco. And that's no joke, though. Oh, we're getting lower and lower. Golly, Professor. Are you sure we'll head back to Earth as soon as we touch the moon? No doubt about it, young man. No doubt about it. The monitor mechanism will immediately reverse itself on contact with the moon and carry us back on the radar beam. Now, don't disturb me. I must make notes on everything I see. We only have a second or two before, uh... We touched. We just touched. Steady, my boy, steady. We're not moving. That's strange. You said we'd turn around. Professor Twiddle, what happened? I... I don't know, young man. But something is seriously wrong. I... I'm afraid we're stuck on the moon. Their jaws sagging, their eyes literally popping from their heads... Jimmy Olsen and Poco hear Professor Twiddle admit that the radar rocket is stuck on the moon. That something has gone wrong. What will happen now? Well, anything can happen on the moon, and believe me, it does. So don't miss a single word of it. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. Hey gang, get a load of this. Kellogg's Variety is back. That's the famous variety carton of six swell Kellogg cereals in ten separate packages. Makes breakfast more fun than a picnic. With Kellogg's variety on the table, you can choose among Kellogg's Rice Krispies, Pep, Corn Flakes, Shredded Wheat Crumbles, and 40% Bran Flakes. Simply help yourself to your favorite. Each box holds a fresh, crisp, heaping portion. So ask Mom to get Kellogg's variety right away. And be sure to be with us tomorrow for the thrilling adventures of Superman. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.